Welcome back to the Boys for Life podcast. We are on episode 16. 16. Holy big cow. One six. 16. The sweet 16. Sweet of the 16, show. baby. We are growing up right here, wow. right in front of the listeners. I love it, man. I love it. As you can see, we have another guest here, our boy, Sean Reimer. Thank you, my man, for, for coming on the podcast today. We greatly appreciate it. Big Sean. Big Sean, man. And Thank you know, you it's, it's cool because we were talking a little bit beforehand. You've been you've been kind of tuning in a little bit to, to the podcast here a little bit. And now we have you on. Yep. Now we have you on. The only episode I have not fully listened through all the way is the Y2K one. The Y2K was, one. But okay. Colton was telling me, he's like, that that's a good one. one. That's that is, a good one. That is a good okay, one. You got to go back that. and revisit that. But yeah. I've been trying to keep up. Uh, this week, I blasted through like six of them. I'm like, I got to get up to speed. Yeah. When I, <laughs> yeah, I when love I, it, man. He's doing his homework. He's doing his homework, Well, because it just work got carried away. And I was like, no, I got to make more time for this. And then I heard it's like, hey, we got guests coming on. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna give it a shot. I'm Let's do it. Give it a here. shot. Yeah, so, for sure, bro. Let's see how this goes. And now you're here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. We really well, appreciate that, brother. Is, we really this do. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. So I, I want to um, kind of want to, I mean, dive right in here a little bit. So a little backstory. So Sean and I, and Sean and I have known each other, gosh, since I think it was what 2005. I think we met. We played. Mm-hmm. Wheaton Rams football together. Wheaton Park District. Wheaton yep. Park District. BGYFL. BGYFL. Bill George Youth Football, football League. League. Oh and they changed gosh. their logo. It was the blue and orange Ram, not the traditional gold and blue ones. Yeah. Like so it's actually, yeah. oh, wow. I honestly, I'm glad you brought that up. So when we played, I played in fourth and fifth grade. We were like the old St. Louis Rams. Yep. Old St. Louis Rams colors, the gold, like yep. the navy blue. It was sick. Yep. And then we had actually the actual Ram on the, on the helmet, the decal on yep. the helmet. And then the year after, they changed it to orange and um, it's like white orange and blue. White and, and like a navy blue. Yeah. And what I heard is that the, the gold and blue was too much like Wheaton North. So they added the orange in there to have it for Wheaton, for Wheaton South, South, too. Yeah. Okay. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. Which makes sense because it's Wheaton, both Wheaton it's schools. Wheaton, it's Wheaton. It's everybody encompassed into one. Yeah. But it's right. like, come on now. Like. I mean, it's, it's kind of bullshit because we're yeah. Wheaton North guys. But like, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. I understand it coming from the, the Wheaton Warmville <laughs> South perspective. Yeah. No, completely, completely get it, man. But... Yeah, man, we uh, we played football growing up together. That's mm-hmm. kind of how we met. We played. Um, mm-hmm. We were actually on a Super Bowl team. I don't know if you know that. We were on a Super Bowl team back in two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. We played an other Wheaton Rams team at Wheaton College. Wow. Yes. We were both undefeated, and yep. we finished twelve and zero on the season. Okay. Yep. It was awesome. So, what what position did you play? I'm assuming you were wide receiver. Wide receiver. Born and true, always from day one. Always since day one. What about you? I was right tackle. Okay, so they had, they had you on the line. They had said, yo, which is, which is get this funny. guy on the line. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, looking back at it, I was like one of the smallest guys, height and weight-wise. I was like, I don't know why why I'm on the line. You know, the, the coach saw something <laughs> in you and he said, you know what, that's the spot that you were going to do the best in. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Well, and you went undefeated and won the Super Bowl. Undefeated. So obviously the, the, the coach put together a nice little uh, lineup. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure who, who the coach was, but we should give him a shout-out. Yeah. His name's yeah. Mark Hergage. Mark Hergage, oh, shout-out. Okay. Mark Hergage. <laughs> okay, I see what you did there. I see what you yeah, did give, there. Yeah, you got to give Pops a shout-out. So. That, was, that was a great team. It was fun, man. That was man. a lot of fun. It was fun. Now, did you – do you play any other sports like growing up, or was football mostly your, your main sport? So growing up, my parents were huge into soccer, and okay. my dad's philosophy on that was at a young age, teach your kids how to play sports so they like know that. teamwork. Mm-hmm. I like and I can say from experience, I won't say any names, but I know a few friends mm-hmm. who didn't do sports as a kid into their teens, and even up to today, they don't do any teamwork. Yeah. So it, it wow. ingrains in your brain. Yeah. Um, but we grew up playing soccer, so it was uh, Chicago Fire at the time. Mm-hmm, they changed their mm-hmm. logo, too, because it used to be the Wheaton North colors, like we were saying, the white and blue, yeah. and then they changed that to red, like completely different logo. Yeah. 
So we did soccer from kindergarten to fourth grade. Okay. Uh, I was telling Colton before I came on today that I was like, yeah, I'm talking to a buddy who I played football with. My mom's like, I, I signed you up for football. And I'm like, yeah, mom, <laughs> you signed me up for football. <laughs> so uh, I love uh, it. fifth grade and sixth grade, I did it. Yep. But the fifth grade was the old school colors we were talking about. And sixth yeah. grade was to change. Yeah. Uh, but sixth grade, we didn't play. That's when they branched everything off. I was on the silver teams. They yeah. Gold and silver and weight yeah. classes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's right. They had, the, they had like varsity. They had like gold, silver. Like it yep. was... It was like 80 pound, 90 pound, 100 pound. And then they bumped it up to like 93, was like, like, yeah, it was like 138 or something like that. Because that's they what me and Wilson played. Yeah, okay. they, they, were, they were being generous for some guys that were eating Ronnie Steakhouse back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beefing up a little bit. Mm -hmm. They want to give them extra couple LBs is what I had. I played Rams <laughs> one year, bro, and it was one eighth year. grade. Oh, and I was yeah. on a team with Greg Scandor, Jacob Van Dyke, and everything. And we ended up playing Wilson's team in the game to go to the Super Bowl. The semis. Beat him oh, in the semis. Let's go. We beat him on the home turf at Monroe. Let's go. And then we went on to beat. Clark, uh, Clark Gary, and Glenn Ellen. So wow. I played one year, and, and Rams won the Super Bowl. And let's go. There we go, baby. There we go, baby. BGYFL holding that trophy up. <laughs> yeah. Let's get it. Retired awesome. right then. And there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Retired, Retired right then and there. Well, went on to play at the Falcons. Yeah. Okay. There we you north, go. baby. We a couple north. years at Wheaton North. Yeah. I love it. Nice. I love it. But yeah, it was just mainly soccer, then a bit football. Uh, did you enjoy soccer? I did up to fourth grade. My dad was the coach for most of my years. He won. He taught us if you want to get involved with your kids' hobbies coach mm -hmm. them so that yeah. we can monitor everything okay yeah. uh so it was fun up to that point football i didn't have the best experience with but i was a very as of i am now i'm a very quiet keep to myself kind of guy mm -hmm. yeah uh like i i heard in the podcast earlier it's like jeff is the perfect hype man so i'm like i guarantee there's gonna be a game if jeff and i ever play i'm like he would be the guy to get me going i'll hype you up baby that's all I, is. i'm the quiet Dude, guy <laughs> do your thing baby because i'll be the guy who'll be like yeah i'll hit a three and i'll be like all right get back on d you know what i mean i'm yeah. just that guy like yeah Kawhi leonard it's like yeah i'm here so, yeah, I'm here. The, so, yeah. The silent assassin. Silent the assassin. Silent assassin. Like Sometimes that. those are the best, though. Like, they don't really sleep are. on the silent assassin. Sometimes they say that. He's quiet, yeah. but he just dropped 35. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, just, he just balled out. Kawhi Leonard, Sean Reimer, Julio yeah. Jones. Exactly. I, mean, I exactly. love it, though. I, I love, love it, it, man. So, I know we uh, we talked about how we met. How did you guys meet? You guys met recently, I think you guys were talking it about, right? It was more recent. Um, it was last year. Last was it? it was last February, bro, at the, at the Super Bowl party. Yeah, that was when. Yes, that was oh, when we officially met. Wow. So ironically, yeah. with that being said, we we were chatting just mm -hmm. on Snapchat, like, "Hey, man, I got a Super Bowl party. You should just swing through." And I th I think at the time you're just like, "I'm just gonna invite who I know." And then I I remember coming to a party. I'm like, "I don't know anyone here." I was just like, "This podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna take a risk. Come yeah. out here." So I come out. I see Jeff. I remember this moment. We went oh, into wow. the kitchen. Jeff's like, "Hey, man, thanks for coming by." And Colton was like, "Sean." In the corner <laughs> of the kitchen table yeah. Yeah. in the dining room, yeah. and I was like Colton, and I was like, "Dude, we haven't spoken in years." It's been a minute, yeah. It like was perfect. We, we saw perfect. each other at the Wheaton Park District. Hooping, yeah. I, yes. I was a camp counselor there, and I know you were getting in there, getting some runs in back with in some the twenty tens and uh -huh. early twenties. Yeah. Uh, so we saw each other, but we didn't chat, chat like we are yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I, I, you invited me to that party. Colts and I were kind of like, you know, let's just hang out, let's see how this goes, because yeah. you were, you were grilling, you were doing your thing. Yeah. So it's like Jeff's got a lot of salmon on here. Salmon, the smoked salmon. salmon. Yeah, that was, that was some fun of the party. best we'd ever heard, by the way. So if you have Jeff coming and grilling. Yeah, Definitely go, bring baby. them out. Big you w. won't be disappointed. Yeah. For all the fans out there. <laughs> Appreciate it. And so, yeah, that, that was the first time we initially met. But I know we, I've heard your name through high school. I know you were a few grades under me and stuff. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. We, we, were, we were friends on Snapchat for like years before that. And like yep. I would chat you on your story. You chat me yep. on mine. Like we were constantly showing love back and forth. Yep. 
And then like we were having that party and I think I think honestly like I chatted on your story or something. I was like, yo, come out to this party. Yep. Like would love to have yeah. you. Let's get together. Yeah. We had a, we had a great time, bro. So thank you for coming. And that's no, crazy that was already yeah. coming up on almost two years. Oh it was God. last February. It was, yeah. Twenty two February. February will be here before we know it, you know, which is it was freaking the, crazy. The Rams and Bengals. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, yes. Rams and Bengals. Not quite the team that we wanted to win that night because I was in that Jamar Chase jersey. Remember, and Wilson were. was hitting yeah. his too, yeah. and we were yeah. going back and forth. But it was a good game. It was a great game. It was good time. Game. Great time. Great, great time. We went in the batting cage and everything downstairs. Oh, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, down it was a good night. It was a good night. Really a good night, night for sure, man. So, yeah, but that, that was the first time we initially met. Yeah. And uh, since then, it's just like what we do now. We just, uh, like you said, you've been running recently. I'm like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's just been love, man. Always support, which is big. I love that. I love that, man. So, I know that you had mentioned before the podcast, eight kids mm-hmm. i'm really curious yeah. to know how that was growing up in wheaton yeah. eight siblings big yeah. family yeah talk Huge. to us yeah that's that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a lot man it's a yeah. lot man that's what that's a that's like a basketball team in reserves yeah <laughs> i mean living at the reimer household Starters and, and, the, and yeah. The, yeah exactly and right. the coach and the assistant coach that's what I'm like, saying. Got yeah. A full team. yeah so growing up in that house we lived many people if you lived in wheaton you'll remember it was a big white house with two black lions right in front of Memorial Park and a block away from Adams Park, right in downtown Wheaton. So in 2000, my mm-hmm. dad and mom saw this house. It was a huge fixer-upper, but they're like, we need this space because of the mm-hmm. eight kids. Yeah. Or, it was eight of us total, so seven siblings, but eight kids. And at the time, my oldest brother was just going to college at Western WIU. Mm-hmm. And then my second oldest brother was a junior in high school. So I was five when we moved into this big house, the house before that, uh, we lived on Harrison, uh, about five minutes away from the current that that big white house. Okay, and it's funny because I'm saying white house as if it's you know the president's office. Right. <laughs> the, the big white house. Everybody listening will know exactly what you're talking I'll, about. I'll Not say, the one in D.C. though. This yeah. is Wheaton, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we know. Yeah, the the big white house in Wheaton, and so we moved in. As a kid, it was really cool because I was uh, at the time my elementary school was right down the street, yeah. Longfellow. Longfellow. You yep. could see it from my front front porch. And then Franklin Middle School was a block away. So we were at the perfect location. And then Wheaton North was a mile away. Yeah. Because so you would take uh, Northside Park, just take those those prairie paths yeah, the into back it. There. Yeah. The back roads. Yep. Go right yep. down Main Street, right where the smokehouse used to be, RIP Smokehouse. Yeah. And get that left. Yep. And just take it right there. Boom. Exactly. Easy access mm-hmm. to everything. Okay. So moving into this house back in 2000, it was very cool. I, my first memory when I, was when I was four. So I was about five turning six. My birthday was in June. And that summer, it was all about moving in, just having fun. We got this nice new big house. We knew we had a lot of projects. But as a kid, being the youngest boy too, my dad's like, you don't have to do anything. You know, wait till you're older. Yeah. Uh, I made my first best friend, shout out to Tyler, who lived right across the street. So him and I went to Wheat North. We actually went to summer schools together. Okay. Two there. We went to Longfellow, Franklin, the whole spiel. And so I would say the grade school years, my parents are very well known for throwing giant St. Patrick's Day parties. Okay. And okay, so okay, yeah. They did at the Harrison House. I remember one party there, and it was packed. So I remember being in the backyard for that one. But at the Wheaton House, we hired bouncers at the front door for to not have underage drinking. We had the back doors locked. We had all this security. Wow. And this is legit. This is, yeah. this is the president's house right well, here. Yeah. Locked down. <laughs> yeah. Secret service. Yeah. And <laughs> at the time, my mom was like, you're a little young, but if you want to start making money, we got a deal for you next year. So I'm like, all right, I'll wait for this deal. Mm-hmm. So in grade school, we had fun with that. We started playing soccer. Like yeah. I was saying, my dad coached 
pretty much every year I did soccer, it was at the tail end, and he was like, hey, I got to stay in shape. You're the youngest kid. And then I have one younger sister, so he's like, I'm kind of wrapping this up. We got to keep things moving along. Yeah. My older siblings would teach me, but as a kid, I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't care for any yeah. of this. I just want to play games. And so that was grade school. So soccer was a lot of fun growing up. Now, on a day-to-day basis at the house, I would say every day we would have dinner at 7 p.m. We had a, I don't know if they still have them, but it was called a sunroom. It was, it was a room right uh-huh. next to the dining room. Yeah. It's kind of like this where you have nice ambient lighting. You could just look out and have your tea or read a book type of deal. Mm-hmm. So we'd have our, our dinners in the sunroom. And every day, my dad would be like, okay, we go from the youngest to oldest. Everyone talk about their day. So we would do that. And that was nice because we would hear about everyone's stories. Yeah. Some days, some days awesome. siblings would yeah. want to talk. Some days, siblings were like, ah, it was just a normal school day. Uh, some days, Classic. they were <laughs> now having a big family. Let's get into the real stuff because that's the boring stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's get into the real stuff. There were some dinners where, particularly, my two oldest brothers would like to argue. No fist fights that I ever encountered, but they would like to argue. Mm-hmm. And it was a small room for a dining room, which I found odd because their dining room was way bigger and next to us. So I think maybe in my dad might in, in my dad's mind he's like, hey, we should uh, maybe make this closer, yeah, more sentimental, yeah, a little bit more intimate, right, with yeah. the family, hundred yeah. percent. And so dinners were nice, but they would always be an hour and a half long, all the time with all that. Uh, whoever did not set up the dishes or the side dishes or the meal always did dishes afterwards. So everyone knew their routine. They either did setup or tear down. So that was good. And then let's say kindergarten, kindergarten and first grade were good. I made some two more best friends from there, Thomas and Mike. We had a great friend group growing into elementary school mm-hmm. and middle school. It's hard not to say um or so. Yeah. so it's yeah. it's cool. Good. It's like you're on the spotlight. You're good. <laughs> it is I hard, love this, bro. though. This is it cool. Is. This yeah, is cool. Yeah, and trying to be interactive. But yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, so that grade school was a lot of fun. And outside of soccer, uh, I, I, I know I could tell I am not the normal person in the sense of I'm a introvert but i like to observe a lot yeah and so a lot of times growing up with the chaos of a home like that uh, a lot of the siblings fought ironically i was the only sibling that did not fight with anyone the only one so my all my siblings sisters and brothers they all had some kind of beef with someone else in the house (laughs) and then my mom was like hey can you do the laundry and i'm like sure and that was it i was the quiet guy who was like yeah i'll be here i'll help out so let's lead uh going up to third grade uh, once I became old enough to do this job, I was mm-hmm. on garbage duty for the St. Patrick's Day parties. Garbage okay, duty. Yeah. I, I was on garbage duty. And everything, yeah. <laughs> but the crazy thing is we had six tubs throughout the house. Every 20 minutes, all six were filled. Wow. And they were tall gallon tubs. They weren't the typical ones you keep in your yeah. kitchen. Wow. That's crazy. So, and uh, at the time, uh, you know, being a small guy, I was like, Mom, this is heavy. But she's like, I, I, I trust you. You can do it. And I'm like, okay. And one day I asked her, I'm like, Mom, how many people are at this house? And the highest count the bouncers got was 650. What? 650 people? Holy oh shit. Oh, my goodness. That third wow. grade, we had 650 people at our house. The Reimer household. The Reimer house. So you got these wow. eight kids with all their friends, my parents' friends, and then they invite their friends. You get a couple hooligans because living right next to down to Eden at the time, do you guys remember Muldoon's? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Spot. You could see Muldoon's. Muldoon's down the street where we lived. So people from Muldoon's would be like, oh, the Reimers are throwing the party again. Yeah. They come down. You get yeah. a couple hecklers. This is why we got the bouncers. Yeah. Smart. Smart, yeah. But then people would hang on the front patio and deck too, <clears throat> porch. So it was out. just... 
You'd sure. still have some some ruckus here and there. Well, of course, with 650 people, it'd be hard not to. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how much Secret Service you got at the president's <laughs> house. So there's still going to be a little ruckus. You know what Something's I mean? going to come yeah. down, go down. Yeah. <laughs> and and growing up, you know, it was cool doing that, doing the soccer. Um, fourth grade, I started getting more into the video gaming with friends, started kind of breaking out of my shell a bit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, kind of seeing that, that at that time, my two oldest brothers went to college they got together. They got along. You never yeah. saw any of that fighting. Um, ironically, though, my one of my sisters and then two of my other brothers who were above me in age, they started fighting. Yeah. So when you ask, like, what's it like to have a big household? I think it's going to be the sense of there's going to be some form of chaos. But mm-hmm. what I've learned and what I'm processing now being an adult is you kind of look back at what happens and you didn't realize like some of it was good and some of it was bad or mm-hmm. even traumatic for some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So looking at it, it's like you, you witness and experience all this argument, arguing and fighting. Now there's the last, like the St. Patrick's Day party, the great dinners. So I think it was back and forth. Yeah. Like it was never quiet. It was never calm. We always had multiple cats and dogs on top of that. Mm-hmm. So there's always some kind of barking, meowing, someone arguing about something. Who's doing the dishes? What's for dinner? Yeah. Uh, the I only it. times it was quiet is the weekends because people were out hanging out with their friends or out yep. of the house yeah. doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was an introvert, so I I was always on the computer. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say it, but in middle school, RuneScape was my game. RuneScape, So Friday nights on RuneScape, I, yeah. everyone's out and partying, and I'm like, Nah, man, I got my Mountain Dew. I'm, yeah, I'm Mountain Dew, you got your I'm Cheetos or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just, just trying to get going. Yeah, no, so, I got you. Uh, growing up, that was probably for me, that was like my peace, my calm. Your and, escape. Yep. Yeah. And it was funny because yeah. the computer room was the only room with no windows, too. Every other room in the house had windows. That was the only room. So I felt kind of secluded. Yeah. But it was yeah. like this, it's like a man cave. It's like yeah. you said, your, your peace. 100%. Um, so growing up, that was back and forth, back and forth. I never did any kind of the arguing, the fighting. So I never got into that kind of stuff. But there were times where things got a little heated and heavy. Of course. And. I wouldn't say I was ever a moderator. I would be more the guy who was on the sideline seeing it, and I would mm. be like, "Is this a time to get mom and dad, or just let them fight? Just let out? them let them figure things out." Yeah. Because there were times yeah. where they would fight, and then the next day, my brothers were like, "Hey, man, you want to go to the gym?" And I'm like, "What? Yeah, like, you exactly. Guys just, you guys, what is going on? It's yeah. that sibling rivalry." So I'm curious, what yeah. was the the age gap between the oldest and then the youngest? All of us are two years apart. Okay, all really? of us. Um, Okay. My sister and I are two, in, or my younger sister and I are two and a half years apart. Okay. So right now I'm 29, she's 26, but her birthday's in March. Okay. okay. She'll be 27, so that two age gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Every my parents were consistent every two years. Every Good two for them. Years. Yeah, that's consistency yeah. is key. Because I've met people who have siblings who are like 10 years apart, but are still big families. So I'm like, I don't know what caused you guys. To yeah, stop. Like, like what's okay. going on? Well, th- there's no interest. It's it's hard to relate in a sibling. I, I have kids that I work with that that's kind of age gap. They're maybe 10, 12 years apart. Mm-hmm. There, you're in a different time zone in life. Like you don't really know how how can you relate to your 12 year old brother, even if your brother's 12 years older than you. Yep. It's hard, or sister. You know what I mean? It yep. does present some challenges for sure. It does. Yeah. And so the good thing though with that two year age gap is, uh, my younger sister. Should, if, if you ever see this, uh, I won't say any names because they'll know I'm talking yeah. about them. But <laughs> if uh, if you ever see this family, um, I would say. I always find it funny how my younger sister is like, oh, we're so close. I'm like, we got some great bonding moments. But I also think by default, like you said, because of that age group Mm -hmm. and difference, 
um, like I was a senior when she was a sophomore in high school. She's like, oh, I got a senior brother. And, but I felt the same way because when I was a sophomore, I'm like, I got a senior brother. Yeah. So I know what you guys mean exactly yeah. where, uh, <laughs> ironically, a few weeks ago, my brother, who's two years older than me, we were listening, get a kick out of this. We were listening to the Carter Three on vinyl. Ooh. from Lil Wayne. Oh, wow, yeah. vinyl. And, wow. and he was like, hey, man, um, this was one of my f- my favorite albums. And I'm like, I remember listening to this, but I didn't think you bumped it. And he was like, yeah, man, I got the vinyl. And I'm like, you are not lying. And just right there, getting that vinyl, we were listening to it, we were just jamming out. I'm like, this so is what cool. it is. This yeah. is. So that's the, the great moment. And I don't want people to think that having yeah. a big family is all negative. No. I think it's, I think you need to keep in perspective of if you have more people in the household that you want to respect each other's boundaries, you do need a yeah. big house like that. Yeah. So me having that computer room, them going out and, and doing their things on the weekends, doing their sports, that really does help. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Wow. Wow. I feel, I feel like when you, when you get older and you look back to like, yeah, of course there's always going to be bad memories, but sure. a lot of the good is always going to outweigh the bad. In this case, mm-hmm. even though with how hectic things were at times, there was a lot of good that definitely mm-hmm. came. Um, my dad taught me at a young age, too, because uh, one of the things, I guess you could say another big thing that we did growing up was, do you guys, do you guys remember, like, sitting on the church pew or being in timeout? Oh, yeah, in I church do. church pew? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, at the... Timeouts. Yeah, timeouts. <laughs> well, so back Sit in, in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't move. Face, face the wall. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, there were times where, as a kid... Uh, we had two church pews, and the oldest would sit on one, and he, we called it the four oldest and the four youngest. The yeah. four oldest sat on one. Uh-huh. They got more of the lectures. The four youngest is like, you need to do this chore, you need to do this mm-hmm. chore. And at the end of the day, if my parents came home from work and saw everything was not done, we all had to sit down Uh-oh. and hear the lectures. <sighs> yeah. So that, at times, was good, but as a five-year-old as well, at the time, I... I being the introvert I was, I was kind of confused. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know why, you know, they're mad. But growing up now, it's like, okay, I get why they're upset. They didn't do their chores. But then my dad taught me where I should get to the point. My dad told me, um, you were one of the few kids who just listened. Cause a lot of them like to, a lot of people like to retaliate. They like to react, mm-hmm. but I would see mm-hmm. what would happen and then try to process it and be like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So he told me at a young age, cause I remember one of my siblings made a comment. They're like, well, how come Sean doesn't get spanked or how come he's not getting in timeout or getting disciplined? And my dad turned around to the sibling at the time. It was when I was a kid. And he's like, because Sean doesn't open his mouth. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Smart man at a young it age. <laughs> I, but I, I, at the time though, I was like, I was scared. That's why yeah, it wasn't because yeah. I was why I was like I just didn't want to open my mouth to be lectured like that too. No, hundred percent. So wow. that's another thing is respecting people's boundaries, knowing their space, knowing what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You do have to push your kids like my dad did. I do appreciate they did that coaching. Yeah, because it does definitely help with stuff like this. Being in an environment you're not used to definitely mm-hmm. puts you in that position to be like, I love that. Uh, yeah. How can yeah. you get comfortable being uncomfortable? Definitely, mm-hmm. it's so, huge. Yeah. That was I, I got a thing. question. I, I kind of want to get deep for a little second. Here. Yeah, no, so, go for so it. So I'm thinking. I love it. I'll try you know, to keep up. <laughs> you have you have all these siblings in the house, right? Mm-hmm. But you only have two parents. Mm-hmm. So like, how was the parental relationship like with all the kids? Like maintaining those relationships. That's a great like, question. Kind yeah. of keeping that sanity, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. every single kid two years apart. Like you're in soccer, she's in soccer, he's doing his own thing, and it's like everything's going on at once. Like how are your parents keeping so the tight knit? The, no. the simple answer, and again, great question. The simple answer is my mom was a nighttime nurse, and my okay. dad worked during the day. So my mom, 
if she wasn't sleeping to work the next day, she would watch us during the day. Okay. And then my dad uh-huh. watches us at, at night. Uh, he did a typical nine to five. He was in IT. Uh, my mom's an ICU nurse. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my mom because during COVID, of course, that was very tough to deal with. I'm sure. Yeah. But that's how they did it simply. <laughs> wow. Now, to get more in depth into it, I would say they kind of, the two oldest brothers, honestly, I, I still ask them these stories because I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, how did you guys do all this? Yeah. The two oldest brothers said they would babysit us a lot when we were younger because mom and dad would be at work or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember much because I was very young. My oldest brother was 11 or 12 when I was an infant. Yeah. So I can't say much in that regards. But growing up in the, the big white Wheaton house, I would say everyone knew their role for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knew what chores they could do. But the, the oldest brothers definitely helped doing the... The fixing up at the house, we fixed up the garage, we fixed up the attic, we did the basement. I think mm-hmm. all rooms except for a couple we did not touch. Okay. So I didn't do any of the handyman work in that regards. But ironically, what I did help my mom with was a lot of laundry yeah. and dishes. Yeah. And then that made me into a neat freak now. <laughs> I, I love vacuuming. Like cleaning. Because I just put on my headphones, listen to my stuff, and just get lost. And just go. Yeah. But um, with my... ADHD, multitasking in my brain. It's like I'm vacuuming, I'm listening, I'm able to stay locked in. Yeah, 100%. So I think what we all did was just know our roles. And yeah. I, I could guarantee you, talking to my siblings, they'll say different. They'll be like, oh, no, they were a punk. Or, oh, no, we just dealt with you. You guys are sensitive, you know. Yeah. They'll always say, like, you four youngest never got it like we did. And yeah. I, of course. That, that's how it I, goes, though, being siblings like that, right? And like, that's what we're saying, though. Yeah. It's like yeah. this, it's different parenting at different <laughs> right, times. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, if there's a huge age gap, there's going to be a difference. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering here, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because as humans, we always have this notion of like wanting to be accepted and yeah. wanting to be loved. So do you mm-hmm. feel like at any point in your life, like you were kind of fighting with your other siblings for like your parents' attention? I wouldn't, like I would not say for my parents' attention. I would say I'm very close with all of my family in different ways. Mm-hmm. My younger sister, which I know we'll get into later, but with what I did with my music career to where it's at now. I'm not saying I'm a famous artist or anything, but just in like she came to a lot of gigs. Yeah. Um, my dad definitely with coaching just started with soccer, but he's been my mentor for a lot of things because he's in IT. Yeah, I'm in definitely. IT. Um, we're in a band together. So he does a lot of mentorship and guiding and leading for me. That's awesome. Um, that is really cool. I would say the thing I'm trying to get, sorry, my ADHD kicked in. Kicked, You're good. Uh, growing up though, the thing that I actually struggled with was trying to get my brother's validation. Yeah. Because I was the youngest boy, and I'm actually the smallest by far. Um, I'm the same height as them, but growing up, they had all the muscles and everything. Mm -hmm. I was the skinny guy all Mm -hmm. the time. So I would say in grade school, I didn't, I wouldn't say respect, but I didn't get much attention in regards to sports or playing on the trampoline Mm -hmm. or getting involved with activities with the family until middle school when I grew in height-wise. Because then in sixth grade, I, I went from 4'10 to 5'6. Okay. And then my brother, who was in eighth grade, was like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, we were playing basketball together. And he was like, you're able to shoot over me. And that was the moment where my brothers started passing me the ball more. That's when I'm like, okay, now I'm in the picture yeah, with my definitely. brothers. Because I do look up to them. Wow. Uh, I do try to learn a lot from them. Uh, I know one of my brothers, I'm renting my current living situation from him. And I do think family is very important in that aspect. But uh, f- fortunately, it wasn't with trying to get the love from the parents. It was more yeah. of the siblings. Because uh, all of us have 
very different backgrounds yeah. with our interests. Yeah, definitely. And But my parents, my mom was always there. She just worked. She mm-hmm. always helped us out. And then my dad was either the coach or, hey, I'm doing something in the basement. Do you want to come watch me and learn? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I want to watch. So that's luckily it wasn't with the parents, but with the siblings. With more. the siblings. Yeah. yeah. So you're, particularly you're, the brothers, not yeah. the sisters. So your dad was very like interactive with the kids. He definitely was very interactive. Uh, they both were. But he, my mom coached at first. But then once they started having three or four kids, my mom yeah. stopped. And then my dad continued. He stepped in. Yep. Yeah. I think it's cool, though, too, like being the youngest, like – I have a younger brother, Trace, and like I know, I think growing up was a little bit tough because we're what we're nine years apart. But I've oh, also, wow. but I've also wow. one thing I learned with him, and I'm curious with you, is that with being younger, like you said, you're able to like observe everything and kind of take things in, seeing things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that's helped you a lot, like in your life as you got older and maybe more wiser, like with your career and work and everything in that nature? I would say the number one thing is it kept me out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because. People have asked me, they're like, uh, my brothers are like, what would you do if we ever tried to fist fight you? I'm like, you would win because I don't like conflict. Sure. Yeah. But I would say observing definitely helped being the younger one, but also seeing what my all my older siblings went through, mm-hmm. seeing the mistakes that whether they created them or not, they went through mm-hmm. and seeing, okay, this is not what you do to a car. This is not when you do when you're trying to, some of them gymnastics and did some severe damage to their body so mm-hmm. i'm like this is what you don't do yeah. don't push those limits like people say go 110 percent, but in gymnastics and you're exercising three days every day six days a week it's you a got to take care of your body and it being you young we're like we're limber right right until you land funny on the on, on the high bar, right? yeah. high bar beam mm-hmm. and all of a sudden bing you know you're done so i would say observation definitely helps but also can make you overthink yeah sure so sure that's the trade-off Um, and I would say as a, the youngest boy, this is tough because it's real deep. Yeah. 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 It's, but it's good. I would say being the youngest boy, my two oldest, my oldest brother, I would say, I loved what he did with the, with the work on the cars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Second oldest brother to this day, we play basketball on the weekends, primarily on Saturdays. We, and so he was a really good guy in sports he motivated me motivated me a lot in sports yeah and then the third oldest brother he's a drummer okay so he got me into drumming okay and then my the fourth oldest so the brother right above me he's even more quiet than me which is funny because i'm already quiet yeah but he was the one that brought like the little wayne vinyl okay so we And recently we've been building our relationship in the sense of he's like, hey, man, you know, I've been he lives in the city. He's like, I played with drummers, but he was like, I really like how you play. We should start jamming more. Come play with my friends more. So now we're building a music relationship. Mm -hmm. But him and I growing up, uh, we shared bedrooms together, but we didn't talk much. Mm -hmm. He didn't play the Mm -hmm. same games as me. Nothing like that. Yeah. But learning from everything they went through, I saw it. They never told me, don't do this. I just saw it and then saw how my parents reacted. Yeah. And I'm like, at the time, I was like, okay, don't piss mom and dad off. Don't do this. Yeah. yeah. That's that. As a kid, that's where I'm like, okay, mom's yelling, don't do this. Mm-hmm. That's how I pictured it. But growing up now, um, what I asked him now was like financial housing situations because it's 2023. Yeah. We're all struggling. 100%. We're all trying to, yeah. uh, trying to make a living here. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And even to this day, I try to be more vocal on like, well, what, what do you want, Sean? I'm like, what do you want out of this? Yeah. Why do you ask these questions? And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to make sure I don't put myself in a bigger 
big hole or a bigger mm-hmm. hole if I am in one, you know? Yeah. And the observation definitely does work. But the trade-off is I'll say this. Mm-hmm. If you're observing so much and you don't speak up, people are going to think like he's... <laughs> some people are like, you just stare and just watch. And I'm like, yeah, I'm observing. But they're like, yeah, but you lock in. And the people say, they're like, you have this very serious look. We know mm-hmm. when you're processing things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I just... Because I, I feel like it's kind of like the one saying, the person that's loudest in the room, you don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I get hyping up. That's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if someone just came in right now and was like, turn this podcast off, <laughs> I'd be like, dude, you should not be here. Yeah. yeah get like, the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Hey, <laughs> hey what are we doing here, buddy? No, I, I, got, I understand easy. you yeah, on that. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it's observations definitely help. Um, and the number one thing I would say regarding that is think before you speak. Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I would say what will help that is if you know some, like some people like doing this, like if they're picking at you, they know the egg you want. Yeah. I would say if, if there's something that you're not comfortable with or if you don't want something to happen to you, don't reflect that on the others. So I just saw with the arguing and sometimes the fighting, I'm like, yeah, I know I couldn't win in any of this. So I'm just going to stay completely out of it. Yeah. So I was the sideline guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... It's got its perks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I just saw it. It was, you observe, speak out when you want to. You obviously got to learn. You got to make mistakes at some point. Sometimes you speak out a bit too much, but there were times where they're like, you didn't speak at all. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't really want to. And they're like, well, you should have said something. Yeah. Like, okay. So I'm like, I would say maybe 80% observation, 20% vocal. Yeah. Yeah. But that way that 80%, it's like, okay, Jeff and Colton said this, sit for a minute and then respond, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah. Where a lot of people are more sporadic and it's like, you, you hear something impulsive, and it's like, you just, just, yeah, impulsive, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. kind of boom, boom, boom. Which yeah. it's, you want to, to carry a conversation. Yeah. The only problem with a guy like me that likes to observe. And then on top of that with ADHD, uh, as we're talking now, I'm literally thinking in my head, what do I say next? <laughs> so yeah. you gotta be careful with that. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. I, I saw something really cool on Instagram the other day mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if, if you resonate with this. Cause I know you were talking about being the youngest mm-hmm. kind of staying out of trouble, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, no conflict. But I feel like, especially it was talking about a boy's relationship with his father and you go through three stages, right? So the first stage is he's your hero. Like you're idolizing him, mm-hmm. like you're worshiping him. Like, He's the guy that walks on water. He does everything for you, right? Mm-hmm. But then you go into the second stage, and this is probably more so like in the teenage years of resentment. And, ah. you, and you hate them. You mm-hmm. don't want to listen. Yep. You like, you walk away from everything that they're saying and all that kind of stuff, but then you finally hit to that third stage where you realize that they're human and you accept them. Mm-hmm. And you realize that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And you may have made mistakes, but like you're my dad and I love you and that kind of stuff. So like... What was your kind of relationship with your father? I like these questions. This I know, great. right? Because yeah. this is deeper and it's deeper. deep, bro. This is yep. nice. Mm-hmm. I would Love say, it. to me, I, ironically, uh, my ex and I talked about this, but she she told me, she was like, there's only a few things you're loyal to, and I'll start with this. She's like, the Chicago Bulls. No matter how <laughs> Shout out the Bulls. Are, As you you're wearing the Bulls yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I understand we've been through some struggles, but still, yeah. I'm still a diehard fan. Loyal. I 100%. love it. Um, she's like, your music. Uh, but in the sense of like, I'm a drummer and a DJ. So she's like, you just like doing that stuff. You need that outlet. Yeah, 100%. Because I don't make much music. Producing, I definitely need to step up on. But performing, I'm like, yeah, I like doing it. You, could, you just break out a character and just yeah. kind of let loose. But the third thing I'm most loyal to is my dad. And to, and to get to that point is that hero phase um as a kid you do have that hero phase 
And then you're right, in the teenage years, you do, that's, I got into two rough scraffles with my dad, and it was the teenage years. Yeah. Um, and I would say, don't hang on to that stuff long, mm -hmm. because once my dad and I finally spoke after the fact, I saw his perspective, and it completely changed my image on him, mm -hmm. like you're saying. Mm -hmm. So um, you can have your viewpoints, you can have your arguments, but if you have a support system, yeah. for me, that's my dad, who sees you day in and day out, sees your good days and bad days, don't push them away. Mm -hmm. Because once they're gone, mentally and psychologically and even emotionally, you're going to be like, oh, maybe I could talk to dad. I'm annoyed by him. But it's like, no, he chose to walk away. Yeah. Now you don't even have that interaction. Exactly. You don't even have that choice. Yeah. So those teenage days, if, if you do have some some trauma, some turmoil, if you can try to move forward, or if you can't even talk to them, because for some family is a huge factor yeah. negatively in people's lives. 100%. If you could find some kind of closure in your life where you can move forward and you can put a positive impact on your life in that aspect, mm -hmm. certainly do that. And then the human phase is what I'm currently going through now, and it lines up with that Instagram post. Uh, we're currently living together in the same townhouse. I see some days he's just exhausted. Mm -hmm. He wants to retire. Um, we, there's a lot of family stuff going on with all these grandkids now. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. And, <laughs> yeah. With there's a bunch kids. of them running yeah. around. We, we, I, I had a guess. I, I think we're at number 11 or 12 now. Yeah. Grandkids. Yeah. Holy, so you guys have, wow. So there's 19. Yeah. And holy cow, it's a lot. Uh, some of them, <laughs> I think. Five of my siblings have pets now too, so you got to keep that. Yeah, in the a lot. So family wow. gatherings are just. You cooking Thanksgiving or what? That's a big meal coming. I up. was gonna say. <laughs> what I do is I bring the pies. <laughs> and then man. just like I bring the shop pies. Just like you know, it's ingrained in you. Dishes oh. either set up or tear down. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> no like literally, I show up. I'm like, uh, the second they show up, the dog greets you, kicks you, and it's like, hey, hey there. And then the kids come up, Uncle Sean. All right. And then my yeah. mom's like, we need help. And I'm like. On it, you're on it. it. Got your mouth. Like it's, it's it's ingrained, and uh, ironically, I, I w I'm sure we could get into this later uh, into the podcast. But I recently watched a video where uh, the childhood makes a huge impact even on dating life. It does. So oh my god, we could get into that. But I would love to, so oh, yeah. to stay uh -huh. on topic though, because yeah. I, I yeah, no, you're good. Um, that human phase with the grandkids and everything, I would say I see what he like. I always like he had our back, but now I see he needs a hand. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is I wouldn't say I try to, I forgot the proper term, but it's kind of suppressing what you feel, either good or yeah. bad, just to help someone else. Mm -hmm. I would say I see what he goes through, see if I can adjust my day or my week, see if I can help him out in any way. I know I can't be there every time, but I try to do the best I can to my ability. Yeah. Because everyone's mm -hmm. different. Everyone could do their own things. Everyone's great at their own things. Um. And I would say for sure, I, I did think about this recently. I'm like, if, if there was one person, if and I asked myself this, if there was one person you would have to be around for the next five years and you're in survival mode, who would that person be? And it would be my dad for me. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, playing his music, I was like, this is really cool. It's really loud as a kid. I'm like, this is yeah. really cool. <laughs> Grade school, I was like, dad, I really like these speakers you're working on. And he showed, he gave me my first stereo. Mm -hmm. And then high school, I started learning IT myself, started creating things myself. And he that was probably a really big moment in both our lives because he was like, 
oh, you created an amplifier. You created the stereo. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. From my from my school, it was mm-hmm. TCD. Okay. Do you remember TCD Technology Dude, Center? I, I, yes, I went yes. to TCD. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so the junior construction. and senior years. Yep. Yep. I, I did. That. I did the uh, pre-engineering and technology. Yeah. Program. That makes sense. Yeah. Right so, up your alley. Uh huh. Yep. So we did that. That's awesome. And that was the more he saw that I was becoming more of my own individual. Mm-hmm. And, but he was also like, okay, now you can start taking over. Yeah. Going into college, I always, ironically, um, this is both good and bad. I thought about this recently too. Uh, my ex and I, we had a very long talk. It was very recent because I remember talking to Colton. We yeah. were working through things and yeah. very recent we had to end things. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I thought about this. I'm like, I lived with my parents my whole life um, just because it saved costs and everything. Yeah. Uh, we all know like college, it's, it's not easy. So I never moved out, essentially, but with the, that big house, I had my own space. So I got yeah. to get away with doing projects, working out in the basement, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I kind of realized everything I thought my childhood was where it's like, wow, you know, these parties, they're always here. These cars, these nice cars are always here. All of a sudden, the cars start breaking down. The parties, there's not as many people. Mm-hmm. They can't afford as much. And then the reality kicks in of like, yeah, those good glory days are kind of past us. We'll still do it, but it won't be at its peak like it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when I finally seen the sides of my, really my family, but my dad particularly, where he was like, Mm -hmm. can I just have a hand? And I'm like, like with a project, he's like, no, I need help around the house. I'm like, oh, okay. And that was like, I wouldn't say he was vulnerable, but more of... Yeah, you're not a kid anymore. We need you to yeah. become an adult. You kind of mm-hmm. it like wakes you up to reality. Yeah, and it kind of makes you emotional thinking back. Yeah, on it, right. Yeah, That's well, crazy. And, and both good and bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's hard to hold back some things. But mm. for him, it was a big eye opener because, ironically, that made us even closer. Yeah, because that's when the real deep talks. I would be like, Dad, what was I like as a kid? What would I do with this? And he's given me the best advice, probably because I hung around him the most. Yeah. But he also, just like how I observed a lot, he observed me. Yeah, of Both course. Both good and bad. Of course. So he was like, you know, you're great in this field, but uh, like there are times where he's like, he's like, sometimes we have to be careful what we say around you. You could be the sensitive type. Yeah. And I know for yeah. a, from a male perspective, especially in the dating world, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, the, uh, it's the honest truth. And I asked him, like, well, what do you mean? Because at first, that was the first time I was like, well, what do you mean? It was yeah. a reaction. And he was shocked because he was like, oh, I've never seen you get to this mad before. Yeah. I'm like, because you just called me sensitive. Yeah. I don't want to be yeah. sensitive. Yeah. 100%. But he was like, you're sensitive in the sense of if mom does this, it puts you in this mood. And that's when I knew it was deep. I'm like, ah, so there's some trauma. There's some there's some negative impact in my mm-hmm. life. So, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, so this is a sensitive topic for me. It's not that I'm going to be sensitive about every single thing that's said to me, but there will be certain things. Yeah. Everyone has their good days and bad days. They mm-hmm. all have their own problems, right? So that was a big eye opener because, but then what I did is start asking them more. And I'm like, okay, so what would you do if I brought this equipment to this gig? What would you do if I bought this car instead of that car? Yeah. We got real deep. And he told me, he was like, you know, this is a Sean car. This is not a Sean car. And that's all he would say. And that's when I knew that bond was getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And fast forwarding up till now, I think it's probably the strongest it's been. It's definitely the toughest at times because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in the family. They're going through a lot right now. They're ready to retire, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But 
I'm really happy. And still to this day, I, even I tell my coworkers, they're like, we've never heard of someone being a family band one and two my dad and I, we, we both work from home, so we have our wireless headsets on through meetings. I yeah. love this. Uh, if you ever watch this, Dad. And my favorite moment is, yeah, shout out to Dad. Yeah. Shout, <laughs> out to, shout out to Dad. Always shout, shout out, out to Pops. Mops and sure. Pops is what we call them. Mops and Pops. Love it. Love it. And it's funny because he'll come down during lunch. He has his headphones on. I have my headphones on. He just gives me a quick pound. Because we look at each other. We know exactly what he was like. You know, Mom's upstairs. She's sleeping for work. We're both in our meetings. Quick pound. Make our lunch go. But then when dinner time comes, he's like, how was your work day? I'm like, it was this. I've had definitely both good and bad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. But then now he's like, he's like, I just can't stand this one guy at work. And I'm like, oh, really? Why is that? And then just growing up, I'm like, so now I'm that outlet. Um, But with that, there are times where he's like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, I kind of just don't want to do anything on Saturday night. You know, I just want to chill. But I would tell people. Um, for anyone who does listen, it's like if you can keep that bond and keep that the strength of the bond, yeah, you're gonna have moments where it's gonna get, get bumpy. Him and I had a few arguments in the teen years and a couple in college, but be, living in a house your whole life together too, yeah, makes sense. Well, of course, if you live with somebody, you're gonna step on each other's toes. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Even even yeah. in a big house, you yeah. will still step on each other's toes or each other's toes. Jesus. Tongue twister, say it five times fast. Go, go, go. Yeah, go, go, go right go, now. Go. On the spot, yeah. Sean. <laughs> okay. On the spot, on the spot. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say mm, the crazy thing on top of that is even having a big house. And at one point, it was just me and my parents. They were trying to sell. Yeah. So they're like, everyone, everyone moved out. I was the only one. I was finishing up school in college. And I graduated when I was 26. So yeah. I, I did four years at COD, just kind of, I did a couple classes every semester. And then um, the last two years of COD was full-time, get through it. And then two years at IIT, just blast through it, get the yeah, bachelor's. definitely. So at 26, we're trying to sell the house. And very quiet house, very quiet environment. But even then at times, uh, he would just be like, look, we're trying to sell the house. And I knew he was looking at me because there were times he was like, can you show the house? We're going to be gone. And I'm like, I don't know. I've never, I'm not a realtor, you know, yeah. but he was like, trust me, you've been here so long that no one knows this house better than you. And Oof. that bond, wow. that's heavy. that bond yeah. is like, he was like, I'm putting my trust in you. But I felt like, Oh, I don't know, dad. You know, like you look up as him here. It's like, I don't know if I could do this for you, dad, but he, yeah. would, but he was like, just be yourself. You know, this house, trust me. And he was right. Cause ironically, the family that I showed the house to at the time, the guy was a computer computer science major. Oh, so you guys clicked automatically. Immediately, oh, he was man. like, where's your networking router? And I was like, this isn't a question to show the house. But he was like, I just want to see how you got things connected. I'm like, okay. We go down the basement. I show him stuff. And he was like, is your dad in IT? And I'm like, funny you ask. A lot of us are in IT. And we just went off. Yeah. He was like, so how's the structure of the house? And I just showed him, like, here's all the pipes and everything. Because it's an older house. Uh, yeah. The house, if anyone ever looks it up, the house... Um, I, I, there's an article on it now, but the house used to be a hospital. Really? Back in wow. it was built in 1918 or wow. A lot of rich history there. <laughs> there's a lot of history. Wow. Um, Could be so haunted then with all those people that were going in there. They, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. That, that's upsetting. It, it, uh, 
<laughs> my parents don't like me saying much, but we did sell a house. Yeah, they, we we have yeah. seen some things. Nothing negative. Yeah. But we have seen things. I'll just say that. Okay. okay. If we wanted to get into it, we could. But <laughs> wow. Because uh, at the time, my parents were like, don't say anything. We're trying to sell it. But now I'm like, oh, yeah. Now, now you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so but I I, I want to get into you know what you've done with the next chapter of your life. But I think the last thing that I want to say in this regards with the family thing, because I think it's key, right? Obviously, everybody's grown up with the family, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think part of the most, one of the most important things in life is the art of reflection, looking back on things, Mm -hmm. dissecting Mm -hmm. it, analyzing it, and just, you know, diving deeper with it. And I think once you kind of hit that humanizing aspect, right? And I think it happens obviously with your, with your father and with your mother, Mm -hmm. and you hit that humanizing aspect and you reflect on some of the things that happened, now, this, as we're getting older, right, you, we're working these big jobs, mm-hmm. we have these financial struggles, yep. all mm-hmm. these stressors mm-hmm. of just growing up in the life, right? Hits, the know? reality hits. I think when you reflect back on your rebellious days and all the fights with the parents, you kind of realize a lot of the stuff that might have been going on behind the scenes. Yep. Right. Like, could mm-hmm. you imagine now, like working a long ass week at work, you've got bills coming up and all this and that, and then your son or your daughter is getting in trouble. And it's like, you know, now you kind of understand why dad blew a gasket. Right. When I when I broke the window, that's going to cost him like four or five grand to replace. And he's struggling. And it's like, damn, you like you look back and you really appreciate all the things that your parents do for you now. Now, Now. it's like looking back on it now. It's like, dude, I love my dad more than anything in this world. And I would do anything for him. Yeah. But it's like looking back on it, you know, when I was like 15, 16, it probably didn't seem that way. But my dad knows that now. You know, I try to call him every day. I try to see him every single week. And it's Mm -hmm. just like. That man means more to me Appreciate than anything. That he means yeah. more to me yeah. than anything on this planet. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And 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 to add to that, it's you know it's funny is living with my parents. The reality that I'm feeling now is I thought to myself, I'm like, well, mom and dad leave. I'm officially by myself completely. Yeah. Right. What will I do then? And this was a reflection of I think I think it's okay to share this kind of stuff, but I just realized like there's more maturing to life than just getting a job. Oh, hundred percent. Having that having that career, having a partner. It's more of as you as an adult, are you where you want to be at that current moment? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm reflecting a lot on where it's like, okay, recently went through a breakup. It was a tough one, but I'm here. I tell myself, I'm like, you know what? No matter how negative it is, still wake up. Yep. So that's one thing I tell myself. And a second thing is it's deep for my parents, but a lot of their friends are passing away. Yeah. So now yeah. they're dealing with that on top of trying to retire, on top of the eight kids with their lives. So it, it, it's crazy because then I think about it, I'm like, I can't even process it. I don't even know how they lived it. Yeah. And it's like our parents are getting older. They're going to start having health issues and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like it yeah. really starts catching up to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, and I, I wouldn't say there's I don't have anything against my mom, mm-hmm. but I truly do believe like just from experience, um, I think by default, because my dad and I were in the same fields, we're in a band together and everything, we're just closer. Yeah. But I will say from a mother who had eight kids on top of that, um, as hard as it was, I, I think about it. She did three, four, 12-hour shifts every week, night shifts, come home, make sure we're up for mm-hmm. breakfast and school, slept four to six hours maybe, and then made a big dinner. Mm-hmm. And we had portions where it was like five to 10 pounds. And that'd be gone within two, three days, if that. Crazy. Yeah. So like back in the football days when we started the original podcast, we always we came back from football, ate dinner, went to bed. Yeah. But mom always had dinner on yeah. the table, Ready. no matter whether she worked or not. Mm-hmm. So as much as I may have my differences with my mother, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I would say more than my dad, she still showed up every day. 
And even to this day, uh, you see them struggling now, like you say, and it's like, well, what can I do to help? But it's sometimes it, you look at them and it's like, I don't know if I can help because I can't mm -hmm. help if your friends are passing away. Yeah. But right. it's like, I could try to visit you, but it's like, that's not going to help because we live together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So sometimes, right. sometimes yeah. all our parents need, man, is just a shoulder to lean on. That's it. I, th I think one of the hardest things that I've yep. ever had to see, bro, is in January my grandma passed away and watching my dad cry. And it's like all it's I tough. could literally be was just literally put my arm around him yep. and just be like, just let it out. Yep. Sometimes that's all they need. Yep. Because mm -hmm. showing up. Recently, yeah, my, show up. my dad was, mm -hmm. he, he was just like, I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. That's all he said. And you could see it in their body language. I can't mm -hmm. say it's to the extent of what you just experienced. And I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But it's part of life, man. Everybody it is. Dies. It's it's an unfortunate yeah. part. Yeah, of I know. Life. It's still there, but it, I know exactly what you mean. I've never, I've yet to see my dad tear up. I think that's the one thing he never wants to see his kids do because there. I remember, I think 2014 or 15, one of his brothers passed away, but he passed away from a cancer, but he hid it from the whole family. He had cancer until the week he passed away. Wow. So we didn't even know he had it, and my dad. The only thing he said to me is he was like, you better talk to your siblings when you're older and tell them this stuff. But he looked me dead in the eye and said that. And I knew I'm like, he ain't playing. Yeah. He's not playing right now. So you got to those moments. It's like, keep them with you. Um, be careful who you share it with because mm -hmm. people use that against you. And yeah, that's, a, that's another yeah. thing I'm learning is I've opened up a little bit too much about some things and people are like, well, you need to do this with your life. And I'm like. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. 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 So that's that's the whole reflection of reality, like you're saying. Is 100%. this really what I want? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's one thing he just told me is, you know, now I don't have a brother. You have four. Mm -hmm. So uh, he has one brother now. Uh, most of them passed away. And he was like, oh. he, he sees the one, but he sees the other one. He's like, yep, he's going to pass any moment now, too. And he's like, I don't have a family. Both grandparents are gone. My mm -hmm. mom's grandparents are gone. Um, she doesn't even talk to her siblings now and that was another huge thing was growing up when you talk about the childhood of a, of a hectic life um i think extended family makes a big impact because for my mom um she doesn't talk to anyone now yeah at all and i might be sharing a little bit too much but it, it, i'm trying to share it because it's uh what they said to us in that regards is we should have stood up to you kids when we were when you, you were younger and we should have stayed more closer to the family, but in the positive aspect, mm -hmm. we should have spoke up more on the things mm -hmm. that were happening. Yeah. So, uh, cause ironically growing up, we we're like, Oh, we thought we got it bad. We had timeouts, spankings, fights, this or that. And the stuff my parents tell us, it's like, that's nothing. Yeah. So how their perspective on life was, we gave you a better life than we had. And, uh, I don't know if that's true. If my parents do see this, but that's the a message that I always carried with mm -hmm. me is, when you're saying, you know, back in our high school days when we do get rebellious, is what exactly did mom and dad go through that they didn't tell us? Yeah. That now we're finally understanding and mm -hmm. learning about. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right in that aspect, man. It's it's a game changer, and you mm -hmm. want to be there. But then at the same time, they're like, no, you go live your life. You go find your partner. You go do what mm -hmm. you need to do. But yeah. uh, I do tell people this to end that topic on a good note is mm -hmm. um, I'm going to keep playing drums in my dad's band until he can't play anymore. Yeah. Because I guarantee you that amazing. the moment mm -hmm. I stop playing music with my dad is probably the moment music will not be as fun mm -hmm. because being that mentor my whole life, he's no longer in the picture. It's going to be a, a very big impact. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. that's just it's what it's I more than just myself. music for you when it comes to playing drums in your dad's band, dude. It's, it's yeah, it's your relationship. Yep, and you know? even the equipment like this stuff, he'll be like, uh, "Hey, uh, he sees the equipment again. He he was like, you 'You're really putting all this together because uh, it's oh. he's getting older.' Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's get smaller, lighter, more efficient, powerful gear. Yeah. You got to spend the pretty penny." But mm-hmm. for your health, Dad, yeah. I can do that. It's easier on my back. Even us in our 20s, you got to yeah. wash the back. Totally. <laughs> and so I, I yeah. told him, I'm like, I'm trying to make this easier for us. And we've, you will never stop making that progress. You'll always get smaller, lighter gear in this instance. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. But he's looked at me, and he was like, I've never had a equipment like this before and i'm like mm-hmm. well 70s technology wasn't the same but he was just like <laughs> but he was like you did this all on your own you you have you know i got colton's mic i got jeff's mic you got their cables yeah. you got your drum kit yeah. you do the sound check you know where everyone's labeled on the mixing board and the interface uh, he's like you have such a system that he's like uh there was a i tried testing myself last year where i did a gig and i wanted to prove to my dad like hey when you show up, I just want you to plug in. Yeah. We do a sound check. And mm-hmm. I finally did that. Uh, I've, I've been trying to do like personal goals, and that was one of them. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, dude. I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I know it's not always easy to kind of reminisce and maybe sure, some of those yeah. more challenging yeah. days as a kid. And oh, yeah. Especially in like having Thanksgiving dinner every day at your house with all those people, right? I mean, it's 100%. a huge meal you guys had. Um, and being an introvert on top of that, I was I was like, oh, school was cool. Right. Yeah. Right. So, But then like looking back on it, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. God forbid, obviously, it's, it's a part of life, but as you get older and, and some of your siblings start passing on to the afterlife, right? Like, those memories that you have at those inner tables is what you're going to hold on to. Yeah. Those are one mm-hmm. of the biggest memories, the St. Patrick's Day parties. It's um, always, yeah. Ironically. 650 White House Secret <laughs> Service. White House, baby. <laughs> I'll say this. Yeah. Um, I know which sister who will know if they do see this. <laughs> when we would drive to NIU Friday nights, I don't know if you guys remember this art artist, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, yeah. Man, can't be touched, can't be stopped, can't be moved, can't yep. be rocked. We, we played that every we Friday to NIU when she went to school, and what that was some of my fondest moments. That'll still get me fired up. Because I swear. I'm the kid, again, I was a kid where it's like, oh, I like RuneScape, and she's like, do you like rap music? And at the time, I, I was in the Red Hot Chili Peppers being a kid. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is really cool, and she would just blast it. And she'd be like, can't be, you know, yeah, get into it. Fired and also, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I like this. I like this. pretty head. good, actually. <laughs> Turn and, it up. And yeah. she was funny because she was like, okay, look at you bobbing your head. And yeah. I'm like, I'm doing something to this, but I'm here, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's those moments when you look back. I try to tell myself if something negative happens, if because uh, something recently happened very negatively in the family, I don't think it would be fair to open up just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Regarding yeah, yeah, one of my yeah, brothers, yeah. but... Um, what I did notice at that time, all my sisters reached out to me and was like, can we talk to you? And I was like, hey, that was cool. Because uh, yeah. I'm the youngest brother. I'm mm-hmm. younger than all of them, except mm-hmm. for the youngest sister. Yeah. Um, so it was cool wow. to kind of be that shoulder 100%. for them to look at. Wow. And so when I look back at that, I'm like, when something happening like that happened, that's what I meant by you don't suppress everything, but it's okay. Something just happened in the family. I wanted to play video games, push video games aside, be there for them. Yeah, 100%. Because video games can wait till tomorrow. Um, if things went more south in the situation, family won't be there tomorrow. Yeah, family won't be there tomorrow, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, like Fuck you said, the Xbox you're, you're, or whatever, dude. Like that shit's gonna always going to be there, you know. Yeah. And and that's that's the what's the proper term? It's the it's the priorities. Is it like the personal pleasure? There's some term where it's like you put your things 
in front of everyone else no yeah. matter what. I get personal growth and personal totally. time, but this was like just a random day where it's like, yeah, I could play games. A little Halo or, or something, or it's like, oh, I, I could be there for mm-hmm. my family. Yeah. Yep. You know? So Choice is yours. So right. I, I just yeah. told myself, I'm like, knowing my parents, and this is where you say the impact as a childhood, if my parents were talking to me right now, they would say, go to your family. Yeah. So that's when I knew, okay. 100%. Yeah. Everything that you want to do today, yeah. push aside to tomorrow. Yeah. It'll, it'll be still there. Be for there. Family. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, because it's been a pretty family heavy episode, right? So I, love it. I want to say it to all the listeners, please, if you got siblings or parents, reach out, tell them you love them, tell them you appreciate them. It's the yes. small things like that. Yeah. Yes. Please do it. Yeah. Yeah. But now we can get onto the, some of the fun stuff, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm Let's curious on, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to kind of talk about it, I don't really want to take, you know, the words out of your mouth, but mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what you're doing on the side. I know you said you're a drummer and a DJ, so mm-hmm. talk to us. I yeah. like to, so I try to, I was thinking about this because a lot of people know me personally, so it's hard to, because I wear a mask when I perform. I yeah. try to hide my image per sense or, or Your identity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I get it. I, I get it I too. don't think I'm big enough to be like, oh, I have to hide my identity in a sense, but for music, ironically, I learned baritone in fifth grade. Okay. And I I knew as a kid, I liked rhythm. Mm-hmm. I liked feeling the music. Mm-hmm. I know people are like, oh, you could feel the music. I'm like, no, the baritone was burr, burr, burr. like it was yeah. just in your face, mm-hmm. very bass heavy. You felt when you played the notes, you felt it vibrate through your body because you had to use mm-hmm. the, I, I forgot it. the part, but it was the part that you would blow the notes into the mouthpiece. The reed. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the saxophone. Okay. Yeah. I played the alto. Okay, so, okay, yeah. so you got it. Yep, so that part. Uh, no you idea can what's feel going on over here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. The instrument. Mu- it's like the no, I get the mouthpiece, yeah, yeah. the reed a, that goes in, which yeah. generates the, the, vibrations, the vibrations, which create the yeah. sound within the instrument. Gotcha. So okay. I learned okay. that in fifth grade, and then ironically, this, people get so thrown off by this part. Remember when Guitar Hero first came out? Yes. Great game. My game. Shout out Tina. Tina loves that game. Shout out Tina. It has to be every episode. There we go. There's a shout out. Tina and Guitar Hero. Yeah, yeah, Guitar Guitar Hero. Hero. Through the fire and flames. (laughs) There you go. I got you, bro. So back in middle school, Guitar Hero came out in like 05, but Guitar Hero 2 made the scene. And then Guitar Hero 3, Through the fire and flames, that was like everyone had it. And then Guitar Hero World Tour. I think those were the two most best-selling games. But at the time was Guitar Hero 2. My oldest brother was playing Guitar Hero. Um, he was on Expert, the hardest difficulty. I was like, what is this, these buttons? And he was like, oh, it's called Guitar Hero. You just pretend like you're a musician. And at the time, that gave me the confidence to be like, I want to be like my siblings, but I can't play music yet. Yeah. So I actually just played the crap out of that game so much. A month later, my brother came back from college. He's like, hey, you want to play? We could do medium. I'm like, no, we're doing Expert. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're feeling... You're feeling a little a little ballsy today. or something yeah. today, yeah. huh? And I actually beat him in the song. He turned me and he was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that sucks though is because I enjoyed it so much, they stopped playing with me. So that was the trade-off. Man, I played Damn. by myself after that. I I broke their character. Um, but it, it was it was all comedy. But I remember when Guitar Hero Three came out. I kid you not. I was going up to my brother's room. This was eighth grade, and I was just wanting to talk to him. I walk in, I walk in the room, and I see a giant TV, Guitar Hero. The game pauses, and ten faces look straight at me. And they're like, oh, shit, Sean's here. That was all they said. And then my brother Pat's like, look. He literally came up to me. He was like, look, we just didn't want to play with you. We're sorry. And I'm like, and I was wow. like, no, I get it. Damn. I'm like, is it because I beat you? couple years ago <laughs> yeah just messing with them yeah uh and everyone started laughing they're like 
you're just, I don't know what, I didn't think I was that good at the time, but they were like, you're just good. We just, it's hard to keep up with you. But I'm like, no, I'm like, at the time, it was the first time where I'm like, no, no hard feelings. You guys have your fun. I'll go play video games downstairs, mm-hmm. um, being in the big house. Yeah. Uh, and it was funny because I heard, I closed the door. I heard them. They were like, that was weird. He didn't get offended or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, I made 10 humans hide themselves in the bedroom, <laughs> play a brand new game. That's and funny. I just went downstairs. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to play more about myself. And yeah. Just so, keep practicing. Bury so them. So that was <laughs> that was uh, Baritone into Guitar Hero. And then I think what influenced it the most, uh, each sibling had their own music background. Yeah. And each sibling played an instrument. Okay. So growing up, it was music. Mm-hmm. Either playing music at the house. We even played music sometimes during dinner. Yeah. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. My dad had live bands play. He was playing bass in them. So we, we have, I have two brothers who play bass, me and my brother who play drums. Mm-hmm. I have a sister who played piano, a couple that sang. Uh, I had a brother who did used to play drums. Okay. So I, I know it's hard to keep up because there's so many of us, but yeah. we all, the only instrument we did not play was guitar. So at the time, okay. my dad, and this is where I'm trying to get on track with the stories, he was like, he saw me play guitar hero and he was like, you need to play guitar. He and me was like, I've seen guitar players, but not move like that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, it's just buttons, you know, it's not yeah. like a real guitar. Mm-hmm. But he's like, but think about it. If you can process all this in real time action and still keep up with it, you can play guitar, just learn a real instrument. Mm-hmm. So I tried learning guitar in middle school. Um, it was fun, but it just didn't click. Yeah. yeah. So freshman year of high school come fast forward. Uh, I started playing rock band when that first came out in oh, 2008. Rock band. Rock band. The full yeah. life band game. And then I started playing drums, kept it easy, mm-hmm. easy to medium. And uh, people, musicians hate this. I don't think the standard person will understand this, but I learned drums right-handed. And so what that means, if I can explain this, uh, right-handed drums is you play the hi-hat with this hand and the snare with this. So yeah. it's like this. And so what I did, though, is I'm left-handed. So I'm like, you know what? I kind of like to be a little bit more unique in the sense mm-hmm. to myself. So I'm like, I'm going to do drums left-handed. Mm-hmm. So you completely f- switch the whole drum kit around. Oh, wow. And you play like this. And at the time, oh, wow. yeah, there are crazy. lefty drummers, but I've never, till this day, I've never seen someone play a left-handed drum kit. Yeah. So I learned drums left-handed. And two reasons was, one, to be unique, but two, uh, I like to keep stuff to myself. I, I wouldn't say I don't like to share, but I'm very cautious. I'm, I like to be very clean. I grew up with siblings who ate potato chips and played the Xbox controllers. <laughs> yeah. Greasy controllers. The greasy. Yep. <laughs> so you already know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. The so for slime. me, I just like kept my kept like keeping my stuff clean. So anyone who uh, at the time, because it's a drum kit, people were like, oh, dude, let me jam on it. And they would sit and they're like, wait, how do we play? And I'm like, figure it out. I'm like, just like how I figured it out, you figured it out. Yeah. And that's th- people are like, nah, we're good. And I'm like, great. <laughs> you're off my equipment. Forget so I, about it. Yeah, I, I did rock band it. for a full year, freshman year of high school. And then I bought my first drum kit going into sophomore year from a, it was a family friend. It was probably the, the, the crappiest drum kit you could think of because they did not take care of it. Mm-hmm. It was a full, uh, a full size drum kit that's meant for adults. Mm-hmm. Then they have kid size ones, the little tiny ones. Yeah. So I had a full size kit. But the the drum heads, the things you hit, were completely bashed in. And if a drum head's bashed in, the tone, the sound is it's completely gonna be ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I changed up all the drum heads and everything, bought the drum kit for 30 bucks from the family and said, hey, I'll take it off your hands. Mm-hmm. Ironically, they had a even bigger house. 
So it was just in the corner of their basement, like not even being touched. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, brought it home. My dad saw that and he was like, hey, you're not going to play guitar anymore. I'm like, you know, our your other son who plays drums, he I really like what he does. I've been playing video games that works well with this stuff. It, it works really well for me. And my dad just learned. He was like, I can't get it. He was like, I can't get guitarists in the family. Yeah. I'm trying so hard. Because <laughs> he had a brother who played guitar. So he, I think he wanted that yeah. connection again. Because um, at the time when I learned instruments, a lot of his brothers were already gone. Yeah. So he was probably getting that connection back. But what I told him, and I was like, no, dad, like I see you guys playing St. Patrick's Day. I want to form my own band. I want to play with you guys. I want to be you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just worked hard sophomore year. And then... I, I don't know if it was sophomore or junior year of high school, but it was the first time I played that St. Patrick's Day party on drums. Wow. And it was on my brother's drum kit. And uh, he showed me all the ropes. He was like, you've learned this kit. You know this kit. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to play. And he was like, don't look at anyone. Don't make eye contact. For anyone who mm-hmm. wants to learn like stage fright, mm-hmm. don't make eye contact. That's mm-hmm. one of the worst things you could do. And um, you don't want to look down because I look down a lot. But it's like what my dad taught me is this would be a good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Look at people's foreheads, because even like right now I'm looking at your forehead, but yeah. it looks like I'm talking to you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, so it's a trick. Yeah, look at people's foreheads so it looks like you're looking at them. But now yeah. you're not making that awkward eye contact. Yeah. in a sense. So he taught me that, and that because he sings and plays bass, and he was like, "Oh, I just look over people all the time. I just make it look like a, it's sentimental because mm-hmm. I'm talking to them." Yeah. yeah. So I did that. When people made eye contact with me, I'm like, forehead, forehead, forehead. And <laughs> ironically, my dad's friends at the time came up, and they were like, hey, you, you're pretty good. You should come next year. And just built up from that. Uh, Jeff, I don't think if you'll remember this, but Colton, you will. Do you, Mike Weinberg? I remember Wino. Weinberg. Wino. Weinberg. Played football, yeah. Yes, sir. So we formed a heavy metal band. I, I do remember you guys In high school that. called Legion. Yeah, I remember Legion. that. Shout out to Legion. We Legion. retired 10 Love. years ago, but... <laughs> uh, I'm never forgotten. Yes. So we, we formed Legion with our, with our bassist, Greg Wycheck. I, I, I still talk to Greg oh, from man. time to time. But uh, Greg was huge in the heavy metal. He knew 80s and 90s metal. And then Michael was learning guitar and was like, hey, we should form a band. Yeah. So I, I joined this metal band. And then uh, with my family's music background, I would say I had some friends who wanted to start a reggae band. So a great example, I would say, is you guys know Sublime? Mm-hmm. That's we did a lot of sublime covers. That's reggae music, okay, uh, more mm-hmm. modern reggae music. Mm-hmm. So we did stuff like that up until the end of high school because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. had to disband too due to college. Yeah. So I did that, and then senior year came, and there was a lot of people who was like, "Hey, we want to do alternative rock with you, acoustic music." And it just, yeah. I, I saw myself at the time. I'm like, "No, I'm a metal drummer." But reflecting back at it, like you said, you want to grow, yeah, mm-hmm. get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I just saw it as I'm just playing drums. But looking back at it, I think it really helped me grow to not just as a musician, but as an individual. Definitely. I try to do this at work where someone's like, do you want to learn this technology? And I'm like, I don't, but I should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with, with, again, I know we're going in depth. This is a very long episode. Yeah. But it's, it helped with that, with the music, mm-hmm. definitely with the family. The advi- of course, the advice from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number one thing, let's say you don't have a dad you can look up to, family background, you don't have guitar hero, any of that. What yeah. I would tell someone, because people ask me, they're like, what would you do if, if you had to restart everything? I would say be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Definitely try try things okay. out. And if you don't like that music style, 
you know that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like going on a date. If it was a bad date, now you know. Now you so, know. So put it like that. Mm-hmm. And then I would say number two thing, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, because there have been gigs where someone's like, hey, we need a drummer tonight. I didn't even know the songs. I just listened to the song on the way to the gig and just wing it. Wow. Um, I wouldn't say it was perfect. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. it's the more repetition of the thing you get, the more people can throw stuff at you and you're in your you calm, adapt. confident yeah. self. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, there was one time where it's like, we need you to do soft acoustic music. And I'm like, well, I'm a metal drummer. I can't do this. But what you do is you learn to dial back and adjust. Mm-hmm. You adapt. Mm-hmm. And so the number one thing to adapt for me personally is keep practicing what you're good at and everything else will follow. Yeah. Wow. So that worked. Wow. And then that was drumming. I, I really like drumming, still drum to this day. I just play with my dad's band. We do a couple gigs a year. But I try to practice two or three days a week, 20, 30 minutes, just to kind of keep up with it. Yeah, totally. And then DJing, this will... Yeah, buddy. I, I talked a lot about the drumming, but DJing, ironically... My brother, who was a drummer, got into lighting and DJing. Okay. But at the time, technology was more analog. It's stuff like this. It's mm-hmm. not like the iPad with the interface, the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So technology back then was a lot heavier, a lot bulkier. Mm-hmm. And I saw what he did, and I thought it was cool, but I was like, this kind of looks basic, though. I wouldn't say what he had was basic, but it's like, this is kind of basic, and that was just the technology then. Mm-hmm. So college came, and I would say, I would tell you, EDM as a whole came huge in 2012 and 2011 when Skrillex came out. Mm-hmm. So that influenced many people, including myself, to be like, hey, DJing's cool. Yeah. What I do come across with other DJs, though, I would say nine, at least 90%, maybe 95 is a better number, is they're in it for the partying and the women. And when they'd ask me, I'm like, hey, to each their own. If you want it for that, I, I see why. Mm-hmm. So getting into DJing, back in 2012, 2011, Skrillex got huge. That really opened up the scene for a lot of folks, including myself, because it made it a lot more known mm-hmm. of what it is. What is this electronic dance music, EDM? Definitely. So at the, at the time, I would say 90 to 90%, 95% of the DJs I spoke to were in it for the partying or the women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they would ask me... And I'm like, I like the technology. <laughs> and they were like, okay. And that's it. That was the interaction. <laughs> they were like, so you don't have any girls or anything? And I'm like, well, I have a girlfriend. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what got me into it was my older brother, but also at the time, LED lighting became big, you know, the much lighter, more efficient mm-hmm. lighting. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that. Obviously, going to TCD and learning technology helped a lot, and that factored into it. But also, I I noticed I like going out to social events, but I'm not the social person. Mm -hmm. So what I told myself is, how can I feel like I'm contributing, but I'm in the background? Mm -hmm. So what I told myself is drums, you don't see the drummer, but you certainly hear them. DJs, you sometimes see the DJ, but you definitely see them because they're running the party. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not the social type. I'm not the guy to be drinking from the kegger, but I'll be the guy who likes music. Yeah. Yeah. And so fast forward, the first few years are rough for anything you start with. It's going to be rough for any listener out there. So whatever it is you're trying to pursue, give yourself time. Don't mm-hmm. just give up on mm-hmm. it right away. Unless you know for a fact, it's like, okay, this was a bad investment. Like Fine. This, I'm not into it or whatever. Yeah. Like right. Right. Like you, you, you know, for certain it's not your thing. But for me, it, it took from like 2012 to 2016 of having just cheap gear, crappy gear, not having much money to mm-hmm. invest in it. 
And then once I started saving more, getting more gigs, you build up your portfolio. Yeah. That got better. But it was the same answer. People are like, oh, wow, you've done this. You, you've played at venues. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, how are, and it always leads back, well, how are the women? I'm like, well, the, the women look nice, of course. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm up there just to perform. And I, that's when I noticed in my life, I'm like, I think I like performing. Yeah. I don't like the interacting. I just like to be a performer. Like yeah. I get on stage. I see it as I'm doing my job. I get off mm-hmm. for the next guy. 100%. So fast forward to that, let's say 2016 to 2020, I, I started doing wedding gigs. And wedding gigs is my forte because for me, it's a variety of music, not just EDM. Or yeah. at the time, trap rap was coming huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, that was my thing. I really like the variety, the oldies, the mm-hmm. 70s, the 80s, the funk. Mm-hmm. And then covering these songs with my dad's band, I'm like, oh, I play these. I know how to play these. So I already know how the songs work. And so even doing like Hezzy's wedding, yeah. shout out to Hezzy. Shout out Hezzy, baby. Yeah. we That was a, such a fun wedding because it was a great variety of music. And that's why I love any type mm-hmm. of wedding. Um, so that really helped. And then a lot of DJs were like, how do you make profit? And I'm like, from weddings. But they were like, oh, not from clubs. And I realized that this time for any musician right now, any kind of venue or any kind of establishment are looking for free musicians because they want to make profit off you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So be be yeah. careful of that. If anyone's like, oh, you can open for this, but you got a 7, 8 p.m. slot when doors open at 6. No one's going to be there. Um, you might have 10, 20 people checking you out. So if you if you want to be the big act, you have to do those sets and those spots yeah. to get to that. Build yeah. up there. Yeah, build up. Sense. You have to build up. There's no way you can just get your foot in the door and just skip everyone else in line. doesn't work like that in life. So Yeah. So doesn't. just any musician mm-hmm. out there, just keep that in yeah. mind, too, in the back of your head. So weddings really helped. Uh, learning more technology, getting more money to put into it. And then... Uh, let's let's get to the the more recent stuff that people remember me as because those are like yeah you just started mm-hmm. so 2021 uh, just like any other day the rave in Milwaukee is the venue they reached out and were like hey we're doing our usual Halloween event you want to play on one of the side stages I did it and then the promoter at the time was like hey could you bring up equipment for us and they call them controllers DJ controllers but yeah. it's that that board you see with all mm-hmm. the buttons and knobs mm-hmm. and the yeah. jog wheels. Mm-hmm. That's a controller. So at the time, he was like, I need you to bring the DJ controller for this big name. I'm like, okay, I'll go to the warehouse, pick it up for you guys. He then, after the gig, he told me and we met, and he said, I was testing you to see if you would be willing to do that. Not many people are willing to go the extra distance, as he put it, yeah. to bring equipment. And I'm like, well, the warehouse was only 15 minutes. It wasn't that big of a deal. But I saw what he meant because it yeah. was a lot of equipment Yeah, for someone who's not mm-hmm. getting paid. Uh, and then that opportunity opened up for me to open for Paulie D from Jersey Shore. Yeah, okay. buddy. Yeah, yeah Paulie. So Paulie <laughs> D. Paulie D. did a show at the rave in I think it was August of 2021, and I opened for him with two other artists. And that I think put me a little. I wouldn't say on the map, as some would say, but I would say that put a lot of recognition because a lot of my coworkers were like, "Oh, you opened for Paulie D." Yeah. So that just sparked a conversation. Yeah, hundred so percent. Cool. And because that went well. They then reached, I did New Year's Eve and opened up for, for Cruella. They okay. were big in the early mm-hmm. 2010s, not as much now, but I opened up for Cruella. And then they were like, hey, you did really well with this act. Because it was on the bigger stage, not the ballroom. Yeah. It was on the bigger basement floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you did well with these two gigs. Do you, you know, we'll reach back out to you. Steve Aoki's coming in February. So then, uh, ironically, what happened, uh, the, the venue probably won't say this, but... 
they said, we'll reach back out if we need any assistance. I'm like, that's eh, Stevie. Okay. You're not going to reach out. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge name. Uh, the week of the promoter reached out and is like, Hey, you're ready to open for Steve. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, wait, and, what? Yeah. And he was like, no, we, we hired you to do this. And I'm like, I, we didn't have that interaction. Yeah. I just remember yeah. you mentioning it. So the week of I made, uh, I've got all the music. I got everything set up. And he, wow. and I asked him, like, well, where is it at? He's like, it's the ballroom. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, this, this is no. This is the big stage. Yeah. <laughs> this is the stage you want to be on. Yeah. So I was the first act to open for him. But what they do is they open the doors at 7. I started at 8. But there was already maybe a couple hundred people in the room already. And I wear a mask when I perform. So I went up there, did my thing. I won't say my name or anything, you know, but mm. I, I'll just say I wear a mask. So I did my thing. And what my dad told me and the sounds, the sound guy, they call him that, the guy who runs all the mics and the yeah. volume and everything, he came up to me and he was like, you got a good ear. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? And he was like, you, you, the thing that a DJ has to do is you read the crowd. Mm-hmm. You got to read the crowd. If they're not feeling it, you got to change it. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And I end up playing for two and a half hours instead of an hour. Oh, wow. Because they also tell you DJs have to do things on the spot. Yeah. yeah. And the guy did warn me, we may have you play longer than an hour. I just didn't think it'd be two and a half hours. Yeah. 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 So I was fatigued. I was tired. Um, met some people afterwards, talked to them. And it was a great experience because I got to be in the ballroom, got to be on the big stage, the exact same equipment Steve wow. Aoki uses and everything. Uh, but the thing that people ask is, did you ever meet these people? And I said, no. Um, I noticed uh, another thing for musicians is big name artists. I noticed a lot of them just, they show up in their car, play, and leave. Really? That's all it is. There's no interactions, I, right? I never saw Pauly D walk into the building. I never saw Steve Aoki walk in the building. Really? So I just I just opened them, never met them, nothing. Didn't meet them in, in, you know, in the back. That's crazy. Nothing. Wow. So that's how, it, that, that's how that came out to be. But still to this day, I tell people with DJing, it's the technology, the variety of music. Yeah. Um, people have told me, they're like, oh, that girl was checking you out. And I'm like, could be because I'm just a DJ. I don't want to. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't think about that. it too much. Yeah. But that, that's how that came out. And I think what really helped with that is the musical background for my siblings. And the, and the end that note is, uh, ironically, my oldest brother was in the heavy metal. Yeah. So one of my first, one of my first bands was Slayer and Pantera. And then my second oldest brother listened to Smash Mouth. Okay. <laughs> the okay. radio hits. Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's Love like it. you got a brother who's into the screaming music and you got a brother who's like, yeah, let's get up and dance. And, yeah. and he, mm-hmm. he, he's hilarious because he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. he's always doing <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. And then I have the sister who I, Roy Jones Jr. She played. Can't be touched. She loved Spittlefield, Fall Out Boy, all that stuff. Ooh, Fall Out Boy. So Boom. she had a wide variety. And then my parents, grew, we grew up with the oldies. Uh, 93.9, yeah, all those old classics. So the variety for a DJ really helps. I say knowing tech technology, because I've mm-hmm. worked with DJs who are like, hey, um, how do I plug in this equipment? And I'm like, that's why you're getting paid. You got to know that. Um, <laughs> just in my aspect, yeah. I'm like, because no, for real, I mean, no, you I have got to you, know. You're you're doing a wedding, de- doing weddings, they literally are like, all right, you're in this corner. That's all they give you and a table. Then you have to set everything up. You bring everything. Kind of you bring the music. Mm-hmm. You're an MC. You keep the crowd moving. I mean, you saw how yeah, his it, wedding it's was. your job. Right? It's your job. And so you I know? tell people factor in all the long hours, the investment in equipment and buying it. 
And then a lot of venues require insurance now too. Yeah. So keep that yeah. in mind uh, when you start charging folks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's so the Steve, yeah. but then I'll say this too. Weddings are totally different than Steve Aoki. Weddings, no one knows you. Steve Aoki, you're performing. Yeah. You're on the spotlight. Yeah. So you're still on the spotlight at a wedding, but you saw how Hezzy was. You're kind of in the background. It's People are just vibe. there. They're there for the bride and groom. Yeah. But for Steve Aoki, they're there for you. Mm-hmm. So that was nerve wracking. But on stage, uh, one thing that does help, and it's my favorite, my favorite DJ, Deadmau5 said this, if you have stage fright, wear a mask or a helmet. So... Hide your face. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Um, now I'm kind of I'm comfortable playing with or without the mask, but you gotta keep that. In That's mind awesome. Too. That's so cool. The mask is yeah. dope too. Thank you. Yeah. Mask is really the sick. Mask dude. Is dope. I've seen that. Still yeah, to this pretty... day, people are like, "That's really cool," and I'm like, "Oh, I just bought it on eBay." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it, it there are two different ways. So that's why I say wedding DJ or like a performing club DJ. Yeah. There are wow. two totally different fields. Everything. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. There's just so much that I just like. I learned. I didn't even know like DJs. They just show up, perform, and just leave like that. At the clubs or the Steve? clubs, yeah, they, it makes sense. Even though. the openers, though, they, they make equipment where it's like you just come in, plug in your music. Great for simplicity. Yeah. But a guy who's like specific, like me, I bring my own yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So at every gig I've done for like a Steve Aoki type of environment, they're yeah. like, "You play on that," and it's like this little thing. I'm like, "Yeah," because a DJ, you just keep the flow going. Yeah. And a wow. lot of DJs now, they're all about chopping, doing all these weird things. <laughs> yeah. I'm just more of like, I, right, I'm, just, I'm just here to, I'm going to blend the music, yeah. a few transitions, a few little chops, but nothing like, I see DJs just going like this the all the time. time. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you even doing? Like, what, <laughs> Killer arm work. You're getting out, that arm work. Right. Yeah. The elliptical here. Because so. I, I, I went to North Coast uh, at, the, okay. at the beginning of last month. Yeah. And I was seeing a lot of that, like, yeah. Like turning it down, screaming, what's up, what's up? And then yep. it goes like louder. So they're, they're great for hype manning, yeah. MCing. Um, what I like to do is I try to move the crowd with saying the least amount as I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I could be like, yo, one, two, three, four, drop, just do that. Boom. Wow. But that's just me. Um, yeah. I mean, even saw me at the wedding though at Hezzy's, I'm just kind of like, I'm yeah. just there. Yeah. And so, but it's weird because it's like, this is my way of going out, but I could still be an introvert. Mm-hmm. So that's the ultimate thing. At the end of the night, yeah. I'm like, I got home, got my check. Go home, play RuneScape, go to sleep. There you go. <laughs> do it again next That's all weekend. it is, man. The yeah. simple things in life, but then you're able to go out there yeah. and do what you're passionate about, yeah. make mm-hmm. that impact, and then go home and whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. And and another piece of note, um, make sure you do not fatigue yourself. Because yeah, I, I, like lo- I booked a lot of wedding gigs this year from June till I think the last two weekends I had nothing booked. But for 12 weekends in a row, I had either on call or a gig, whether it was drumming or DJing. Yeah. And by the eighth gig, I'm like, I'm, I remember texting you. I'm it's like, I'm, I'm out. It's a lot. You know? Fatiguing. Yeah. So next year, I, I like kind of want to just yeah. have more weekends. More. Well, yeah. I want just, I, I saw a lot of, for me, I had a lot of friends reach out and say, hey, we're doing this on this weekend. I'm like, I can't go. Yeah. Can't go. And one thing is you can't get time back. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. like, okay, I could, I could get the gigs, maybe not as many. But the time and the friendships that won't be there. The memories, me. yeah, the memories. Remember when I think too. I think I kind of you know to kind of bring full circle here. Like we've always talked about, Jeffrey, is that you know we, we don't want to we want to do a lot, but we also want to have that balance too that we talked yes. about, right? I think that's important too. Kind of what I'm hearing you say, Sean, is yes, we want to have dreams and aspirations and big goals, but you also have to be I think somewhat of like okay, take some inventory, right? Am I tired, right? Do I need some rest, rest and recovery? I think you you really yeah. instilled that in me because I always want to work out every day. And it's like, well, you want to be active, but 
how much like can yeah. your body take at that point? Yes. You know what I mean? So listen it was just like what we were talking about this weekend. We wanted to do another pod tomorrow. And I was like, bro, listen, honestly, I just need tomorrow to rest. Just right. Yeah. And, and, and that's I was great. Like, I need it. Yeah. We all need that. You know what I mean? So, um, it is balance. Balance is key. It is balance, man. And this is, this is, that's been awesome though. It's been awesome to kind of hear your yeah. perspective on that too. And kind of what we really, yeah. I think our messages is kind of have that balance, but also we want to, we want to aim high. We want really want to shoot for the stars and take, Take things to the moon, right? That's yeah. what we always keep talking we about. We always say to the moon. And to add to that, I would say have high dreams, but also keep reality in the background. People um, people do, I remember you saying this, people want to see you hurt, people want to see you down, so they feel better about themselves. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, even musicians, even athletes, uh, not everyone wants to see you thrive or succeed. So what what I did is, at first I was that guy where I'm like, I want to be the Stevie Oki opener. But now I'm like, everyone needs an opportunity. Yeah. Because oh, you, yeah. yeah. you don't know what's out there. Um, this could be the next Stevie yeah. Oki, you know? You never so know. Definitely. You never yeah. know. I love that. So it's good to have that. That's why I say at the beginning of this podcast, just stay open-minded. Yeah. Whatever you apply that with your job, life, family, friends, partner, mm-hmm. music, hobbies. Just try to be as open-minded yeah. as possible. Yeah. Uh, you can have your biases, but um, get experience from it first, or at least try it out, and then come yeah. up with that opinion. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to, um, if you know, just like, dude, don't go to the North Coast, man. It's just crap i'll be like okay but it's like how i know that if i've never gone exactly so. it's a good perspective wow mm-hmm. this, this has been great man it has, yeah, this has no, been it awesome has. this has been awesome because I'm, I'm a if you see me every day yeah. I, I i put in my headphones go for my walk i and don't just, talk to anyone just chill yeah i listen yeah. to my music i don't i don't talk like this so yeah well, well i want to say thank you for being vulnerable and coming yeah, on no, the boys play podcast man you, we really do your vulnerability yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate this being is awesome this is man this is awesome man well thank you again bro we'll have to we'll have to maybe have a part two in the future right yeah yeah, I, I'd be open for it. I don't know how much you want to hear me, but <laughs> oh man, we love it, man. We love we it, do man. Love it. And we appreciate you guys for tuning in, liking, mm-hmm. subscribing, um, turn on, on the notification bell. We drop episodes every Tuesday, Spotify and Apple Music. Till next time, we, we appreciate you. you guys. We'll love you guys. One. See you guys soon. Peace. Peace.